welcome to Off Curve. I am Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving to and from the supermarket. It is Saturday. Um, it is Saturday, August 29th, 2020. And uh, it's been a while since we've been in the car together, actually, because uh, the last couple of episodes I've been doing from my streaming layer and then I took a week off because that was I mean quite frankly that we that those two weeks of launch are kind of a lot <laughs> like I'm doing six hours of card reviews and then another two and a half hours of of meta review with hat and then it's 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 kind of hard to talk into the mic after that for a little while so I did kind of need to take a week off and I do appreciate everybody sticking around um while I did that I I have been I, the the launch has been kind of a roller coaster for me in terms of um, in terms of ladder. I've been I I got Legend pretty early on after launch with that control priest that I talked about on the last show, and then I kind of I, I kind of hit a wall, and I was down at like eight thousand Legend at the time. That was pretty close to the bottom. And generally, you know, obviously the number of Legends goes up as more people are there, but. Um, but you know, it, at the time, eight thousand was was pretty far towards the bottom, and and I was kind of struggling. And a lot of the reason that I struggle, especially in new meta, is just like I don't have the instincts that some people do. I think, like I I know a lot of what to do, but like I need to learn how decks interact with each other and with themselves before I really get a good grasp on how to play at a better at a higher level. So playing against other legend players and playing against a bunch of random stuff with and switching decks every two minutes because that's because you know that's the time to do it when there's like a new shiny every five minutes um was not great for me but eventually I kind of settled down I I ended up picking up Bomb Warrior and and getting myself up to like 5,000 and then I played uh uh, the Soul Demon Hunter got me back up to like the 2,000 range and I'm around 3,500 now which is kind of fine um like I'm not again I'm not I'm not super grinding, and a lot of what I'm doing on ladder is trying to learn decks for THL now that the season has started. Um, I, I moved up to a three seed on the t- on the team that I'm playing with um, with Ridiculous Hat and, and Zoroshio from Hero Power um, and Starlax and Star Suck who are on that team as well. And and so I I was a four last season, four seed last season, and a three seed this season. If you're not familiar with with uh, THL, which is at TeamHeartLegends.com, you can you can find out. But it's a team league, and they they have a, a basically a an in league rating system based on your performance in the league, and then you get sorted into seeds and you play against other people at that seed. So I was I was fourth in terms of rating last season, and a lot of that was because my first couple seasons were rocky, where I was just kind of learning how to play in it, and um you know and and the players on my team are better than me. And um, I've moved up to a three now. So I'm playing against higher competition. And so I was a little bit nervous about that. So I've been kind of trying a bunch of different things. And sometimes that means trying decks that aren't working and failing or trying decks that are for matchups that I know I'm not going to have, but running into bad matchups that I'm not expecting to find in the match. But um, all that worked out because I did win my first week um, match, which is good. I went uh, 3-1 and, and swept my opponent's Druid, which I was pretty happy about because the Druid was pretty favored against a fair amount of my lineup. Um, but so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of using ladder as a, as a testing bet for THL. I would like to get a higher finish. Like I would love to get 
11x and maybe like next month is a month that I could try to do that. Um, I think that I kind of tor torpedoed my MMR a fair amount with all the experimentation, which is, I mean, it, you know, torpedo is probably a strong word, but it's not, um, you know, and, and I'm not super invested in my MMR to be honest, but I would like to hit 11x. That would be nice. You know, it's just a matter of putting the time into it, and, and it, sometimes it's hard to, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be cognizant of how much I need to play in order to learn the decks for THL and to learn the decks to be casting, which is going to be starting up um, again very soon. I'm going to be casting fairly regularly, it looks like, for the next couple months. So I need to know, like, the, the metas and the mashups pretty well, which means I need to play a lot of different stuff, and then I can't really focus on like with just grinding one or two decks and like, you know, jamming my MMR and no, like becoming an expert in them. Right. So, um, but all that said, uh, I'm pretty happy with how I've been doing. Um, you know, once I got through that initial, um, that initial rough patch and I think that initial rough patch is, I, I think that it, it's very easy to kind of let your, let your rank dictate how you feel about how you are as a player, and, and I think it's important to kind of dissociate those things, and, and this is just kind of a mindset thing, because I've seen a, a number of people who've gotten very frustrated, I used to be this way too, and, and you know, I had, a, I had a really rough patch a few, you know, maybe like six months ago, to a year ago, but like, sometimes also it's just, you know, it's not necessarily a reflection of you as a, as a player. It may just be a reflection of your current habits or, like, your current knowledge of the decks that are in the meta. Like, it may just be that it's a meta that you're... That, you know, the meta... I, I don't want to say that, like, there are bad metas and good metas or hard metas or, or easy metas. Like, I don't think that's the case. But sometimes there are metas that are more suited for your natural play style. And um, when you try to... When you get into one of those that's, that's not really oriented towards that, then you need to be focusing a little bit more on learning the decks that are there, because if you try to just force your natural play style in those metas, then sometimes that will not go so well for you. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're a bad player, right? Like, sometimes it's just, it takes you longer than others to figure things out, and, or, or variance just hits you too, and this can be a common, it's usually a combination of both. So, I, I guess I, what I'm trying to say is that if you're, if you're finding that you're struggling a little bit more in this meta, and, and it's normal, um, you know, be kind to yourself and, and try to be a little bit self-introspective on what's different than your previous performance, right? Because sometimes those are things that are fixable. Sometimes a coach will help you with that too. Um, but it's important to be, you know, critical about why, what's, what's changed, right? And like, how can you, how can you fix that rather than just you know, blaming the meta or blaming act outside causes, because I don't think that, like, there are some problematic things in this meta, and it, and it feels like it's a lot, it's a lot more like, um, like, roundhouse, not roundhouse kick, like, haymaker punches, as opposed to, you know, like, a lot of, a lot more back and forth, like, it seems like there's a lot of games that, that tend to be won by just, like, a, a big swing turn, but, you, you know, that's, that's the meta we have, but I don't think anything's really, like, outsized in, in terms of power level, um, and we're going to talk about one deck that people think is, that I don't think is, um, coming up in the rest of the episode, but, um, so I, I think that if you're, if you're struggling, try to look at objectively, like, what is different, and, and what kinds of things you can work on, because those will always help, right, like, even if they don't get you out 
even if this meta continues to be a challenge for you, and, and that's fair, like working on yourself and working on your play will always benefit you in the long term. So, you know, it, it, it's easy to blame, you know, generated stuff or, or rage at a particular class, but at the end of the day, you know, improving your play and, and you know, looking critically on at the things you're doing are, and, and focusing on the things you do have control over will help you regardless of what the environment is. So, this is, I don't know how similar or different this is going to be from some of my other shows. Because this is kind of strategy and kind of not. This is kind of mindset and kind of not. This is kind of current events and kind of not. But we'll just kind of go with it and then we'll, we'll see where we are. So, so, one of the things that's kind of bugged me and... You can probably imagine if you've been listening to this show for any any length of time. Um, this hashtag delete priest meme that's been going around. Right? And it's it's funny to me because Priest has been so bad for so long and it gets a rework. Right, and then all of a sudden, it is the devil incarnate, and the worst thing that ever happened to Hearthstone, and it needs to be deleted from the game. And as you know, Priest is my favorite class, and it has been all along, and it continues to be. Right, I am comfortable playing Priest. I enjoy playing Priest. I have played Priest in basically every meta, even when I really, really shouldn't have. I played Priest. I was playing Brian Kibler Shadow Form Control Priest in um, One Night in Karazhan when the only deck was Midrange Shaman, and I was winning with it. Right? So, like, and that was back in the days when the the Priest meme was Unicorn Priest, because um, a after the first rotation um, in, like, Whispers of the Old Gods, there were, it was, it was kind of a wide-open meta. And most of the classes had some sort of viable deck, except for Priest. And Ben Brode at the time had, had implied that maybe there was like this, um, this undiscovered unicorn of a deck that Priest had that people hadn't found yet. The, uh, spoiler alert, there wasn't. But the, the meme was that any deck you were playing was basically unicorn Priest because it was a unicorn if it was actually able to win as a Priest. Right. And Priest has been, you know, varying degrees of... It, it's had its moments, right? Like, we had the we had Raza Priest, we had Wall Priest, we had some dominant Priest decks, but not often, right? And, and they took kind of extreme measures in order to get them there. Um, I mean, every, everything kind of got pushed over the top with, um, you know, with, with Cobalt and Catacombs, and, and Priest was no exception, and then certainly adding Vargoth to the mix kind of just just pushed that Wall Priest over the top as well, and I mean, Raza Priest was like Shadow Reaper Anduin, and Raza the Chained was like, uh, that, they were, they were clearly pushing the power level there, right, but, but Priest has been 
really bad for very long until the recent rework. And the recent rework obviously was a success, right? And and I know we talked about this on the show a little while ago, but like the priest basic and classic um, kit was just terrible. It, it was really, really bad. And the rework was really good in terms of like the new cards that they introduced for the most part are pretty inconsequential, but the, the buffs to the cards that they did keep in the set were very effective. I mean, taking death from three to two, taking holy, making holy Nova <clears throat> like a playable card, making thought steal a playable card, making shadow madness a playable card, right? Like these are all cards that were like, they were there but you couldn't actually use them unless you were generating them. Like, you would never think about putting any of those cards in a deck. And those all get Thought Steal, too. Like, those all get fairly regularly run now in, in some form or another. And they're not, like, auto-includes. Like, none of, them is, none of them is really that good. But they're all, like, tools that you can use that you can put in Priest deck and actually, like, put them in a deck and not be embarrassed about it and have it be, you know, functional more often than not, right? <clears throat> but... Like, that's that's the history of Priest, is that up until, like, six months ago, Priest was something that you played because you enjoyed it or because it was countering something very specific in the meta, right? And, and I understand that, that the num some of the Priest mechanics are not fun to play against. Like, a lot... There is a very visceral thing about having... Getting beaten up with your own stuff. Right, like I've had this conversation with with my good friend Sidisi, who's a who's a um, a hunter main, and last in the in the Outland meta, like Highlander Hunter was just a hundred, like it was like extremely extremely favored over any sort of priest. But he still hated playing against it because the just the feeling of you know getting beaten up by your own stuff and having your cards taken from you and then used against you is is not pleasant. And and you know I completely understand that. Like, there are some negative emotional feelings that playing against Priest will bring up. And, <clears throat> and and that's kind of exacerbated by Mind Render Elusia, though I feel like Mind Render Elusia, like, since the nerf, really hasn't been seeing as much play, maybe at the higher levels it is. But, like, the, you know, the idea that you're going to have your entire hand ripped away from you and then, throw, and then thrown out, like, there's a reason that there are not traditional discard mechanics like there are in, in like Magic the Gathering. Because that it, it generates an extremely negative response. Like the kind the times that we've had hand disruption in, in Hearthstone have been like they've been balanced that way. Like Dirty Rat would take would take a, a minion out of your opponent's hand, but it would put it onto the field for them. So there was a matter of risk there. Like Chaos Gazer will um will will give you one turn to play it, but you need to play it now. Right, like even like demonic projects, probably like the closest we got to pure disruption. Even that was turning into another demon. It wasn't just like ripping it out of the hand. Like this is the first time that we really had that kind of true discard mechanic. But even that's balanced, right? Like I think people focus so much on what Mind Render Elusia is doing to them and not what they can do when their opponent plays Mind Render Elusia. Because if like when you're playing that card in particular, it is, you have to be thinking a lot about what can your opponent do to you on the crackback. And if you're keeping your wits about you, you can do a lot. You, it takes you, like, it takes you a while to figure out what you need to do. But, like, the, the key with that card when it's played against you, by the way, is to be focusing less on what your opponent's doing because you know what cards are in their hand and more focusing on what cards you have to work with 
because you're going to have 75 seconds to do as much damage to them as you possibly can, and you need to take all the time that they're giving you to um, to figure out what you need to do. Like the the other thing that people don't realize with Mind Render Lucia is that it's heavily, heavily tilted towards your opponent when you play it. Like you get to choose when it goes off, right? But that comes with a very real cost, and it comes at a cost of mana because you're always working at three mana less than your opponent, actually four mana less than your opponent, if it's not after turn 10, because they get to get a mana crystal and then they also didn't have to pay for the effect. And also the time that it takes to figure out what to do, right? Like when you're playing Mind Render Lucia, you've probably taken about 15 seconds to figure out, is this really what I want to do this turn? And then you have about, a, about 60 seconds to figure out what, to look at all the cards, process out all that information, and then, um, and then do something with it. Meanwhile, if you're the opponent, you get their entire turn to figure out what you're working with and then plan out your turn based, and, and all you have to integrate is like the one draw that gets that comes out of their deck. Now, does that mean that that's not necessarily going to throw your, your entire plan up in the air if you've been planning out your turns very carefully? Of course it does. But like all of these things that, that Priest is doing generally tend to come at a cost. And so it's important for you to, when you're playing against Priest, not to give it too much power. And, and I think that's kind of going to be the, 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 the lesson out of this whole episode. Is I'm, what I'm doing right now is I'm telling you, as a Priest main, why, why you should not be as upset about Priest as you are. Right? I am, I am coming to you from the other side and I am explaining to you what how to play against priests and maybe if that's the case then you won't feel like it needs to be deleted but the 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 one thing that I really want you to come away from this with okay is you know when when you're going like the thing that bothers me about the whole delete priest meme right is that like I really really enjoy this class like this is the thing that I enjoy most about Hearthstone, bar none. And, and it's, it's hurtful when the way that I want to play is not okay when there are a lot of other degenerate ways to play this game. Like, you know, if you look at what Rogue is doing, like Rogue draws five cards, generates like a whole bunch of secrets, and then does the same thing because it's also playing plagiarize in the secret version of the deck, right? And it also generates a million cards. And it also gets to play things from other classes. And it also gets a bunch of, like, random crap. And nobody cares, right? Like, it's... it's so it's it's those types of things. Like, there are, every deck, to some extent, is degenerate. If you are playing a deck and constructed, it is broken. It, it's, it's broken to some extent because if, you, if it was a fair deck, you would not be playing and constructed because it it's not good enough. Right? Like Druid ramps a bunch and then beats you out the head and then and then makes giant minions and, and hits you in the face or blow or burns you down from 30 with Maligos. And that's fine. Like Demon Hunter is hitting you for 15 in a turn with a weapon swing. Like, these are all kind of broken broken interactions, right? But they're all broken in the same way. So it's a matter of just figuring out like how is priest broken and then how can you play against it and how can you steal your mind against it? Because look the, at the end of the day. Like, Priest is the, the class that turns your mind against you, right? And it's doing that not just with the cards in play, but also in your mindset. If you think about it that way, then you want to make sure that you're not 
Um, you know, you're not letting it do that when you're playing against it. All right, so I'm uh, through the magic of podcasting. I just finished my food shopping, so if you hear the air conditioner, it's because I have the cold stuff in the car again. And for those of you who are um, looking for an update on uh, the ice cream of the week, I it's ice cream sandwiches for the girls, and I've moved on to uh, cherry Italian ices. So that's that's my uh, my frozen treat of the moment. So uh, can't you know? It's it's I guess it's a little healthier. It's probably not, but um, you know it's makes me happy. So, you know, we'll go with that. So anyway, go, getting back to Priest though. Um, I think a lot of the reason, and not the high level players, cause they, you know, they're either memeing for attention or they have their own reasons that they just hate Priest because they know what they're talking about. But I think a lot of the reason that a lot of, you know, lower level players or, or people who aren't like the high pros, um, get frustrated with Priest is just cause they don't know how to play around everything and it it can feel like when priest is hitting on all cylinders it can feel like it has the answers for everything and i can assure you that it does not it it absolutely cannot counter everything but what happens i think when a lot of people play against priest and i'm guilty of this myself is that you can't play around everything, so you choose to play around nothing. And that's how you get blown out. Right? Like, the way that you lose to Priest is by saying, it's too hard to think about all the possible things that they could have, especially if they're a Highlander deck. So I'm just not going to play around anyth anything, because I could just get blown out anyway, it doesn't really matter. And, and I, I think that's the wrong way to approach the matchup. Because there are things that you can do. There are limitations to the things that Priest typically has in its kit. And yeah, there's random generation and you can't really play around that, but you can play around the kinds of things that are being generated, right? Like, let's start with like Madame Lazul. Like if, if your Priest plays Madame Lazul against you, you know what is probably in their hand, right? You know what cards are in your hand at the time. You know which ones they would take if they were, if you were in their shoes. And you can kind of limit it down, you know, lim limit your choices to like three or four, right? Like it's it's a a minimum, it's a it's a finite set of things that you need to play around. Thought steals a little bit harder, but at least you know the kinds of things that could blow you out, and you don't need to necessarily worry about everything. It's the same thing with hand reading. You don't need to play around everything. You need to play around like the worst possible thing. So like, know what cards would be really bad for you if they were in your deck and they were played against you. And then you can kind of limit it to that. Um, and, and like a lot of the random generation, like one cost spells are, are a lot of what they generate. And, you know, yeah, renew is a thing and renew is going to be a little bit harder. But like the one cost spells, generally, you're worrying about wave of apathy and renew. Like just assume that if they've played a wand maker or they've played a cobalt spellkin that they have a wand of apathy or a renew in their hand and then play accordingly right like the rest of the cards that are there i mean yeah there's like inner fire there's um i'm trying to think of what else, what other one cost spells there are that are generally like not amazing but the the ones that you really care about are way are wave of apathy and renew um and you know the most of what Priest's toolkit does is 
until like turn seven, it's really worrying about just trying to keep tempo and and try to use its board to clear. And then it, most of its board clears, like the, the wide board clears, do two damage, right? So like you, if you're playing like a face hunter and you get a, a Wolpertinger off of a Scavenger's Ingenuity, that's actually really, really hard for a Priest to deal with. I've lost to that opening like a lot. So just being able to get your health like above two and, and think about that when you're trading and when you're playing out minions, right? Like in the early game, if you have a way to finish your turn with a with a, with more than one minion on the board and at least one of them has three or more health, you're probably in a decent spot. You know, like nobody runs um, Shadow or Shadow or Pain anymore. So a lot of what they're relying on is like a Breath of the Infinite or a Holy Nova, um, or I mean, a Penance would deal with one, but then it's not going to deal with the whole board, right? So like penance is is usually only run as a one of and it's not even usually run in the in the list with two of anymore. Um and and then you're talking about Shadow or you know, um Breath of the Infinite and and Holy Nova to be able to do two across the board. So so just keep those breakpoints in mind early. And then once you get into the later game, then you're worried about you're not even really worried about Plague of Death all that much, and Plague of Death you really can't play around, but it's, it's worth just thinking about, like, what if my board gets wiped here, right? And maybe holding something back. Like, if you're a Tempo Mage and you have, like, you have two Mana Giants, maybe hold one back, because Shadow Word Ruin is a card, Plague of Death is a card, and, and um, Soul Mirror is a card, right? And you can't necessarily play around those, because, like, those are just going to happen, but what you can do is not play hard into them. Like, you put out a board that's, like, enough to make them Soul Mirror, but not enough that you have no reload, and then um, and then you go back the next turn. Like, the key with Priest is that a lot of the big clears are actually very expensive. So if you can present threat after threat and keep making them deal with it, yeah, they're going to keep removing stuff, and yeah, it's going to be annoying, and it's going to be frustrating, but eventually they run out. Because, like, there's generation, but the generation even is limited, and card draw is not really a strength of the priest. Like, it's drawing one card a turn for the most part, right? So if you can just kind of set it up so that you keep presenting threat after threat, and then, um, and then just keep, keep making them answer, then eventually you'll get there. Now, I think, and I think a lot of people overtrade against priests too. Like, especially now that we've moved to Highlander, like, yes, Apotheosis is a card, but it's generally a one-off now. So, there's a tendency, I think, to over-trade against Priests, especially from decks that want to do damage from off the board, like Aggro Rogue, like Soul Demon Hunter, Bomb Warrior to a lesser extent. There's this tendency to just remove all the minions so they can't Apotheosis, and like, a one-attack a one attack minion that gets, becomes like a three attack minion with lifesteal is not going to threaten you, right? Like if you're, if you're primarily concerned with like trading on board, yeah, maybe, but like think about how much, how much apotheosis is really going to, going to blow you out. Like, I think that that's kind of a holdover from like the way that priest was played and it's still kind of the case, but the decks that are playing against it for the most part don't really get blown out by apotheosis. So you just have to think about like 
what like the the priest also doesn't heal that fast anymore, right? Like you're only especially when we're talking about Highlander. Yeah, you have Zephyrus, but like we're we're running like one copy of Renew. Sometimes you can generate a couple more, but that's still you know healing in smaller chunks. Once you're once they're Galakron, they're not healing at all, right? And then you have and then and then really like the ways that they're going to heal up is with like a gigantic apotheosis, which. If they're smart, they're holding an animated broomstick to be able to get that to happen on your turn. You can't play around that anyway. Or, or on their turn and not have, not give you a chance to remove the minion, right? So, like, it's, it's often correct against another priest to just ignore the minions and go face. When it, when it makes sense. Obviously, you're going to use your normal training rules... You're going to you're going to protect your more important minions if it's going to add up to more damage overall. But I think that like the idea of just like trading off every minion because you're you're going to run out of damage, like I don't think that that holds anymore. And I think you end up ultimately like wasting more damage by trading off minions that don't have apotheosis on them than you would if you just like let them play the apotheosis and then trade that minion off. It, you know, again, it depends on on what your deck is, but I. I find that people tend to overtrade against me as priest, and then it, it, you're you're healing the priest. We've talked about this before, like when we were talking about opportunity cost a few weeks ago. Like the opportunity cost is much lower because there's generally only one copy of apotheosis because most of the priests right now are Highlander. If we go back to Galakron priest, then that might be a different discussion that we're going to have to have. But you know, it's you you. You can't play around any one card in the Highlander Priest anyway, just because it is one card, but you also need to play around the kinds of things that Priest can do, if that makes sense. But this kind of goes back to an overall mindset thing of playing against Priest, right? Because a lot of, like, the running joke is, well, the games against Priest all take forever. They don't. They really don't. I guarantee you, unless you are playing as Priest and you're playing in a mirror, the games don't actually take that long. So, but I think that the, the general reaction when you queue into a priest is, oh, I'm going to be here for 20 minutes. I'm going to lose. I'm going to feel awful. And like, first of all, no, it doesn't have to go that way. But also like you have agency in the game, right? So like when you go into the game pre-tilted effectively, whether you were actually tilted to start with or not. And then you give the priest power of saying, well, they're just going to remove everything, so what does it matter? Right? Then I, you give away a lot of your power in the matchup. Like, you have ways to affect the matchup. And, and certainly, there are some decks that just blow priests out of the water. Soul Demon Hunter is a brutal matchup for Priest. Absolutely awful. Especially the versions that are running Polkelt. It's just, it, it absolutely, like destroys Priest most of the time. Um, so, like, there are some good matchups against Priest, um, but you also just need to give yourself agency over the matchup. And, and, you know, if you're going into it unfavored, then know you're going into it unfavored, right? But, and, and this goes for anything, but I think Priest is kind of, like, the biggest thing that, that people want to, um, like, just give it give it over the power and, and just say, and, and just kind of give up and, and just get annoyed. Right. And like knowing that they don't have all the answers 
kind of does help with that a bit. It's very hard to play against a deck where you know that everything's going to get countered, but it really doesn't work that way. And, and I, you know, I know I say this every time we talk about a problematic deck, but I would really encourage you to play some games on ladder with Highlander Priest if you're feeling like Priest just gets to do everything, right? Because you will play that and you will see, like, how many decks will blow you out and you just will be standing there with a handful of cards that really don't feel like they do anything. And and that that happens more often than you would think, to be honest. Like, yes, you can chain together a pretty impressive sequence of events as Priest, but you can also just be sitting there with a, with a handful of nothing, or you can make one wrong miscalculation about waiting one turn longer to try to squeeze a little more value out of a clear, and all of a sudden you're overrun and there's nothing you can do, right? It's a hard deck to play correctly. And and I enjoy it for the challenge, right? Like, I love Priest because I love the feeling, I, I've described it as like an escape room, right? And and this is kind of how I look at it. You, you feels like you're playing in a, like it's an escape room where you're put in this impossible situation that's real, you know, and it happens in almost every game where you're put in this situation, you've got this random bunch of garbage to work with and you need to figure a way to get out and you're on a timer, right? And, and that's kind of what I enjoy about Priest. It feels like a logic puzzle a lot of the time. Like a lot of it, yeah, like, yeah, do you get bailed out by a thought steal? Do you get bailed out by a Lazul? Do you get bailed out by like random generation off of a Renew and into like a third or fourth or fifth soul mirror? Like, yeah, it happens. But like also your opponent's giving you those opportunities, right? Like if you're like dumping out your hand and your opponent's on eight mana and they haven't played a Murazon yet, then, and they Murazon and come screaming back, like that's your fault, right? Like that's something, or not necessarily your fault, but that's something that you should have at least considered if that was worth the risk before you go into that turn. And I think a lot of people just don't, right? And there, and it's a lot of, a lot of it is just because there are so many different things to play around, but also there's typically only one of them in, you know, in each game, unless they get generated. And like, you can, you can kind of meter out your threats that way. Does it always work? No. Is the priest going to beat you sometimes? Absolutely. But I think that part of it is just like the mental, the, the initial preemptive when you go into a priest matchup, right? And the more that you can kind of take that away and kind of just see them as another deck that has 30 cards in it as much as yours does, like I think that kind of helps to make the games feel a little bit more winnable because then you can approach it strategically, right? Like you can play around the things that you can play around. And, and that's, I think that's really the, the key is, and, and that's a hard skill even for, you know, regardless of what you're playing against in general at a higher level to play, to, to figure out, right? Is like, when do you play around cards and when do you not? And, and a lot of it is, you know, understanding like when it's feasible to play around cards and when it's going to end up hurting you more in the long run. Like the overtrading is kind of a perfect example. Like if you overtrade against priests, you're healing them, right? So that's that's something that is a mistake that you can make that you can decide that you're going to accept that as a risk. And, and you know, printing out like the list of Highlander priests and just having the list of cards in front of you 
is probably not a horrible thing with this, just to keep remember all the things that you do need to play around. But just giving up on it and saying, I'm not going to play around anything because I have to play around everything, is how you lose, right? So play around the things that are reasonable for you to play around and understand the risk when you choose not to. And I think that that alone will kind of help you, you know, at least not hate the games against Priest, right? Because it'll make you feel like you have a little bit more agency and it'll make it feel a little bit less hopeless. But, you know, when you're going in and just saying, I'm just going to throw out cards and hope for the best, well, yeah, they're going to beat you because you're not thinking about how to order those things and there are some percentage points that you can get. It's going to make, it's not going to make a difference in every game, but it will make a difference enough that at least you can consider that a, you know, not a complete waste of your time, which I think is how a lot of people look at it when they go into Delete Priest. And, and Elusia is the other reason that people were getting upset. And I think that for the, since the nerf, it's not really as much of an issue as people are making it out to be. Um, it does suck to get beaten up with your own stuff. It does suck to get cleared on every turn and feel like they have the, the perfect answer. And sometimes they do, but they don't have it every single time. But it's easier for them to have the perfect answer if you give them the perfect question. So anyway, so this episode is also sponsored by the fact that I just hit 4,000 priest wins on stream on Thursday night. So, um, yeah, I, I may be a little bit salty about the delete priest stuff, but I really just genuinely do think that it, this is something that you can improve with mindset and with practice. And, and you know, I mean, if you want to see how priest loses, just watch my stream. Because I lost a lot on Thursday night to a variety of different things. So, um, yeah, anyway. Um, but, you know, I'm, that, that's going to be it for, um, for today. Uh, as always, if uh, you want to keep up with the show, uh, the show notes are at um, offcurve.com. That's also where you can find the Masters Tour qualifier dashboard, which is at offcurve.com slash Masters Tour. Um, if you want notifications for when new episodes go live, the um, the show's Twitter account is at offcurve. My personal Twitter account is at Wicked Good, which has that and um, a bunch of other stuff, some political, some not. Um, you, you probably know what where I stand on a lot of things by now if you follow that Twitter account. So, um, you know, forewarned, but it's it's I, I post fun stuff too. Um, you can... Uh, you can join me on my stream on Twitch on Monday and Thursday evenings, Monday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern and Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash wickedgoodfm. And you can also join uh, the amazing community that we have in the Discord um, at um, at discord.offcurve.com. It is, um, it, it's not an overwhelming community. It's very warm and friendly. It's not high volume, uh, but it's very good quality discussion. So we would love to have you if you'd like to come by. Um, and... Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it for this week. So, um, you know, good luck with you with your end of the season push. If you're pushing for legend or you're pushing for high legend or you're just pushing to get to the next rank floor, like, good luck to you. Um, try to keep a level head and um, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.